We appreciate you choosing to come here and spend your Saturday uh, recognizing and honoring uh, Kenneth. And that's the primary reason we're all here today is to honor him and recognize how he has touched our lives in a variety of different ways. So I encourage you throughout this time that we have together to allow your emotions to be released as they need to. Feel free to cry. There's usually a series of Kleenex at various chairs here. If that happens, guys, you know, try not to use it all up. Let the ladies use it as well. I'd appreciate that, okay? We are going to struggle for the next uh, hour and a half or so, uh, but it'll be a good struggle. It'll be a difficult time, but it's a time that's necessary for us to work through this sense of loss and a recognition that all is not as it should be. So why don't we open up our time with a, just a moment of prayer, and then we have a few more people trying to find some seats. And so if we have any here, what I would encourage you to do, if you guys could move together going towards the middle. So any seats we have will be on the edges so people can come in and find those. That would be really appreciated. Uh, that way we know what are open or not. So we've got a couple seats over here. And uh, we'll go from there. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this chance that we have uh, to honor Kenneth, uh, recognizing that he has touched a variety of lives in a variety of ways. That while he was here, he made significant statements and we're a part of that. And we'd ask that you might guide what we're doing here today, that you allow your Holy Spirit to make us aware of what needs to be said and what needs to be left unsaid. Uh, direct us in all that we do and all that is done. We place this time in your hands, and we ask for you to bless it and make it a special time. And we ask that in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Usually when people talk to me about a funeral and they say, um, you know, why do we bother having a funeral? What is this all about? Boy, we're going to go back and forth here, aren't we? What is this all about? Why are we here? And the first reason that you're here is to honor Kenneth's life. And the second reason you're here is to comfort and to strengthen and encourage those who are closest to him and have been left behind. In this case, his uh, father, uh, his mother, his wife, Sarah, uh, and those closer relatives, because they're the ones that are going to be uh, most greatly hurt and struggling through this time. So what you'll want to do is ensure that you have an opportunity to share with them as is appropriate, try to encourage them or pray with them. Uh, but I would ask one thing of you here. Today will be a day in which there will be a lot of emotion and interaction, but a week from now or two weeks from now there will be very little. And I would encourage you strongly in the next few weeks to continue your interaction with the family, to give them a phone call, uh, perhaps an email, send them a letter, whatever seems appropriate, but act on that sense that you will have that they need a moment of encouragement. They need a word of recognition. Don't be afraid to talk about Kenneth. Don't feel like, okay, the funeral's over. We don't talk about him anymore. No, you continue to talk about him and share how he's touched your life and continue to make him part of your life. That is how it should be. So I encourage you to do that. Don't forget it. Place that in your memory right now and let that happen uh, over the next few weeks. So one reason we're here is to honor Kenneth, to comfort his family, and we're also here for us to deal with the question that we don't like to deal with, and that's the question of death. Why do we die? What happens after we die? What can I be assured of in relationship to life 
and death itself. Those are questions that we're going to try to deal with somewhat today and that you should all be dealing with in your discussions one with another. Now, many of you are standing back there and have a seat. We do have balcony sitting upstairs. So if you'd like to go up there and need a seat, great. Otherwise, you can, you can stand down here or you can go upstairs. I think there's about 50 chairs up there, and that will provide you with at least an awareness of what's going on. All right? Thanks so much. I want to read this passage from the Bible, and I want you to read it with me. It's out of the Psalms. It's Psalm 23, and it speaks to the issue of where our hope comes from. And hope is this expectation that something's going to happen. It's an expectation that life doesn't end here, that when my body fails to operate, and it will, it already has various times, it just kicked back in, but when that happens, that something else is real and something else will take place and I will enter into a time and space situation in which I will actually interact with God and I will have the opportunity and the awareness of what life is in reality. I will no longer have to deal with simply this physical body, but as Paul puts it, I will have a brand new immortal body and I will understand things that I've never understood before. I will not lose track of who I am. I will not become part of the energy of the world. I will not be a drop in the sea that continues to flood forth. That is not at all what the Bible teaches or what Jesus taught us as one who had been in heaven, who knew what heaven was like and understood what life was beyond this mortal existence. So when we talk about our hope, that's what we're speaking to. This verse here shares with us out of the Psalms, and it goes like this. No one whose hope is in you, will ever be put to shame. So show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. Teach me, for you are God, and you are my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have someone come up. Clint's going to come up. He's going to share a song and a scripture. He's going to share a bit about Kenneth. And we'll begin to recognize, well, we're all wearing these angel shirts. I should have left mine on. I had it on this morning for breakfast. And I took it off and got all suited up. And I'd be more comfortable in the angel's outfit, actually. But, hey, that's as it is. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God who cares, that you are a God who comforts, and you are a God who interacts with us. You expect us to ask questions, and you give us answers. Thank you for that. We ask today as we deal with these questions that you'll grant us the privilege of some answers, at least a sense of expectation, not just hope of what will happen when we die, but excitement about how we are going to walk through that bridge into life eternal and begin to experience all that you intend for us to experience. Guide us today. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Clint. I'm up here all the time, and this is a nervous day for me. And uh, Kenneth was a good friend. Kenneth was uh, an extremely hard worker. He did his darndest to provide for, for his family. Uh, 
got to watch Kenneth grow up in a sense. He, uh, when he started working um, with us, he was still a, he was an old boy, but he was still just still just a boy. And I watched this this young man transform into uh, a, a brilliant man. Frankly, he had. Uh, He uh, he came came uh, he came to work and and uh, he was just really if I could describe him at best would be very whimsical. Do not look at your wife when you're on stage. Just for the record, it's not a good thing. <laughs> um, lighthearted, very very free spirit. And he still was. I watched him tackle uh, adulthood, if you will, tackle his finances, um, tackle uh, his health, um, his physical strength, uh, endurance. And uh, I watched him wrestle with moral issues wrestle with being a better man, wrestle with making a difference in people's lives, making a change. I watched him love on people, love on kids, my own kid included, um, which is amazing to see. That little one right there. And Will, wherever he's at, I don't know if he's, I haven't seen him yet. But, and to see those relationships and Watch this kid turn into a man and turn into a, a father in a sense in his own right. And he wanted so badly to be a dad. And I watched him wrestle with that and um, others did too. And uh, watched him just, just change for good. Not change too much. He was still kind of and he still liked to have a good time. He liked to entertain. He liked to host. Um, he liked to make sure that everybody was having fun. And he did a really, really good job of that. Um, am I sharing now for Ken, too? Okay. Uh, Kenneth's dad wanted me to share some things. So we chatted a little bit before the service, and I'm going to do my best to translate his feelings to, to you guys. Um, I know personally, Kenneth had a great relationship with his dad. Kenneth, um, whenever we would get on the river trail to cycle, Kenneth always, never failed, I've heard it a bajillion times, I used to ride this trail with my dad all the time when I was a kid. Every time. Yeah, Kenny, I know. We turn around and we come back the opposite way. I used to ride this, yeah, I, two hours ago. You said the same thing. But that was a super fond memory in his mind. He loved riding his bike all the way to the beach and all the way back. And it boils down to time spending with his dad. And um, he 
treasured those times. You really, really liked it. Kenny, as I, I got to marry Kenneth and Sarah last year, and I wrestled with, because I always call Kenneth Kenny, because it's cooler. And um, I had my own pet name for him, but we won't go there. Um, so at, at the wedding, it was like, okay, this is Kenny. That's Kenny right there. This is Kenneth. And uh, I might mess it up, but we'll see. Anyways, so Kenny used to take Kenneth to, um, he started taking the Angels games at six years old. And um, Kenneth didn't care who won or lost or didn't care that he was at the baseball game. Kenneth wanted to go to the gift shop. And Kenneth had the flags, he had the hats, jerseys. He was the best-dressed kid there. Still is. Sharp-dressed man. Um, Kenneth loved to go to the swap meet. Still does. Still did. Kenneth loved going to the swap meet. And uh, Kenny would take Kenneth to the swap meet. And they would go to the snack bar. And Kenneth would have his Egg McMuffin. The world-famous Egg McMuffin. And a churro. Kenneth loved the, the fairgrounds so much, he was in the register at the fairgrounds. They did an article on him. Do I need to speak up? I'm, okay. Anyway. Um, at, at four years old, at the fairgrounds, Dad, let's go to the gift shop. Ken loved Angel's stuff. How many bobbleheads does he have? A lot. Too many. Um, but he loved, he loved the big A. Any time, whether I was in a car, on a bicycle, anywhere, if he saw the A, he would freak out. Look at the A. He loved, he loved the big A. He did not like the Dodgers. Kenny does. It's okay. It's okay. We'll still let him in. And they would tease and and pick at each other and just have a good time because that's those are memories. Those are good memories. Just like wrestling and throwing them around and playing football and baseball and all that stuff. It's the little things that you're really gonna miss. One thing that they did do, which was a, a neat part about their relationship, is that it was a give and take like the relationships are supposed to be. And uh, one year, angel opener. Next year, Dodger opener. And they did that together as a father and son. Kenneth really liked those. Really liked those. Could you get me a water? Thank you, Mike. But he loved his California angels. Not more than he loved his wife, or his nieces and his nephews, aunts and uncles and cousins. And he was here with them. And every everybody here, there's you're here for a reason, and there's you're here because Kenneth touched you in some sort of way. And uh, I thank you guys for coming. 
It's amazing. See, I'm going to read a verse. Thank you. I'm supposed to sing a song in a second. There's no way I'm going to. John 14. Fitting. The one thing that I want to portray is ultimately to sell. But will be too far. Is um, Kenneth was big on providing and protecting and putting people at ease. And um, it's my goal. Sorry, I'm not talking talking to Sarah. It's to, to put you at ease and to let you know that he. He's still with you. He's still going to, you're going to find your turtle. Okay? So John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe, al- believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that, if that were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can, we, how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I want to pull my cell phone out. I've played this song hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And during sound check this morning, I could not remember the lyrics to save my life. So, I'm sorry. I got you, buddy. Okay, that's uh, difficult stuff. We care about people and we desire to be involved in the process of declaring how much they meant to us, but it's hard sometimes to, 
uh, hold our emotions down for that period of time so we can share. And we're going to give an opportunity uh, to all of you here to be able to share a little bit about um, how Kenneth uh, touched your life. I think we're all aware that Kenneth is, his wife, Sarah, is here with us. and uh, it's Her and mom and dad uh, are here with us, Kenneth and Lisa. There's a variety of other friends and family that are choosing to share with us today. And we appreciate the fact that they've uh, come here. Sister Lacey, Mike Olson, it's the uncle. Crystal, the, the aunt who looks like a daughter. The daughter, Sierra. There's, there's, it's a fairly large family. And, uh, we'll get a chance to share with them a little bit later when we have an opportunity there. Uh, but right now, what we want to do is uh, give an opportunity for a few people to share. There's family specifically. Any family would like to share for a few minutes, I want them to come up right now. And then following that, there may be a few people that want to share a few words that come to you. Then we're going to watch a video presentation, have a chance to share again, a few more people, and then uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit. All right, so anybody from the family that would like to share uh, at this time, I want you to come up. They're hesitating. They're going, should I, should I, should I, should I? Yes, you should. Here you go, Patty. I had to write everything down because I didn't want to miss mentioning any of his wonderful qualities. So pardon me because I'm going to read. <clears throat> Last Friday morning at 6.45, I received a phone call that changed all of our lives. We're now stumbling through unfamiliar territory, but as I look out and see the outpouring of love for Kenneth and Sarah and both of our families, I know we'll not make this journey alone. <laughs> Last July, just a little more than eight months ago, I watched as this beautiful young man stood at the altar waiting for my daughter with tears in his eyes. And I witnessed what I thought was the true beginning of the rest of their lives together. I say he waited for her, a man, because when Kenneth first came into our lives, he was a boy of 19, full of energy and spontaneity. And over the last nine years, we have been honored to witness his transition from that boy to a fine young man who, while maintaining his boyish enthusiasm and wonder, had also earned our respect as Sarah's parents. When they met, Sarah was 23 years old, and I was a bit perplexed as to why this young guy with the emo hair <laughs> and the plugs in his ears and the colorful tats had captured my daughter's interest. I wasn't concerned because Sarah has a solid head on her shoulders and she's a really good judge of character. But I was watching this situation with interest. I would give it a bit more time before I stepped in to do my mom thing and tell my daughter that it was time to get serious about finding someone her own age who was a bit more established, but then we got to know Kenneth. He was sweet and enthusiastic. He loved music and sports and his family and friends fiercely. Often his exuberance for things was overwhelming. He was like a big giant tigger bouncing through our house, <laughs> wanting everyone to be excited about the latest thing he found to be amazing. 
He is the reason I own three pairs of Toms. <laughs> <laughs> but what struck me the most was how his face lit up when he looked at my daughter. Because I knew he felt the same way about her that I did. And I relaxed and I sat back and I watched their fairy tale unfold. Kenneth was everything you would want a son-in-law to be. He loved my daughter deeply and took such amazing care with her heart. He treated my husband and me with such respect, just as he did his own mother and father. He told me many times how happy he was to be part of our family. He hugged me whenever he saw me, and he would ask, how was your day, Mom? And then he would actually listen to the answer. He loved our grandchildren and was totally on board with Sarah, anything she wanted to do for them or with them. I knew he was going to be a wonderful father. He recently babysat our one-and-a-half-year-old grandson, Davy for two days by himself, and he sent camera phone updates to Sarah throughout the day. He called Riley his little princess, and he played a very big role in Will's life, especially during some particularly rough times for Will's parents, and for that I will always be grateful to him. I've been fortunate over the last 20 months to live with Sarah and Kenneth, first during the work week in Newport Beach in our townhome, and then for the last eight months in our home in Corona. After their wedding, I wanted nothing more than to write them a big fat check for a down payment on their own home. <clears throat> but the best I could do was offer our home as a place they could continue to save. This living arrangement gave me the unique opportunity to witness my daughter and son-in-law's relationship in a very intimate way. I was able to see how consistently loving, caring, and kind he was. He shopped for her lunches. He brought her home little gifts all the time, and me. Called and texted her often, as his work schedule kept them apart more than the average newlyweds. The time they did spend together was sacred to him, and he made those moments count. Due to the tragic events of last Thursday night, there will be no more new moments. Only the memories of all the love, adventure, and fun Kenneth and Sarah shared over the last nine years. As I said, we are struggling over this new barren territory. As I try to provide my daughter with the strength to walk on, I know there are many hands that will reach out and lift her up. Because Sarah and Kenneth and our amazing friends and family have been doing just that for the last nine days. I know Kenneth is watching you all right now and saying, thanks for taking care of my family, guys. And that he has a big, beautiful smile on his face and that twinkle in his blue eyes and his beautiful soul is at peace. Any other family like to share? I just want to say thank you for everyone for coming and all the support over the past nine days. It's been amazing. Um, when I met Kenneth, I was afraid of love. I wouldn't let him in. I hated public displays of affection. Hand-holding was off limits. Kenneth was very persistent, and I remember nine years ago, like it was yesterday, that I took him aside and told him, 
I think I'm falling in love with you. From that day forward, Kenneth began to chisel away at my hardened exterior. He showed me how to love with my whole heart. I will cherish every kiss, every time he would reach out to hold my hand when my arms were crossed, every time he would hold me and not let go, every time he told me how much he loved me. I have been robbed of these things, and I'm trying hard to listen for him telling me to let go of my bitterness and take these tools he so lovingly bestowed on me and carry on. It's so hard, but I owe him that much and so much more. My husband loved music. He created the soundtrack to our lives. When we were together, we would listen to all of the songs that had special meaning to us. And some of my best memories are driving in the car, windows down, music blaring, and just singing our hearts out, enjoying each other's presence. Kenneth was a family man. Family made him tick. He was full of love for everyone in his family. He cherished his relationship with his Aunt Crystal and Cousin Sierra. We spent as much time as possible with them since we lived so close, and when we were all together, we just had countless amounts of fun. Kenneth was such a force keeping all of his family close, enjoying time with his mother whenever possible. She was far, but he always reached out to her as much as he could. He loved his dad, and I'm so glad he got to spend opening day with him. Last week, he was so excited. Colin and Austin, he had so many funny stories to share with me about growing up with you. It makes me smile. Chelsea, he loved you so much, although you were far away. You and him had a, such a strong bond, and nothing can break that. He recently spent time with his aunt and uncle in Arizona for an Angel Spring training game, and he was over the moon for the road trip out there with his friend Jeff. I am forever grateful he is part of my family. He loved all of my family like they were his own right from the beginning. Anything to make my mom feel special or my dad like he had a third son, he loved my brothers, John and Mark. Mark and Kenneth had a really special relationship as we all lived together when we first moved to Orange County and once again when we moved back with my parents after the wedding to save for our house. I hope Mark can take the wisdom Kenneth gave him, especially the last week of Kenneth's life. If anyone in my family was going through a hard time in their life, he would say, don't judge them, support them. I always took comfort in that. He was a wonderful uncle to my niece, Riley, and my nephews, Will and David. Will spent a lot of time with Kenneth and I, and I w was just in awe of Kenneth when he was mentoring him. We would have Will for the week or a long weekend, and when Will would leave to go home, Kenneth would tell me, I already miss him. I teared up when I saw all his toys still out, and he wasn't here today. He on occasion would watch my one-year-old nephew, David, on his own. I would get texts from him all day. Dirty diver number two, or a sweet picture of David asleep on his chest. We have thousands of memories out on family trips, whether it was a visit to Solvang or the cruise to Alaska for my 30th birthday. We were proud to have him in our lives, and my family embraced him like he deserved. 
Many people have reached out to me saying, I don't know you personally, but I knew your husband. Please know that Kenneth told me stories about all of you. I recognize all of your names, and I'll hold on to all of the stories he shared. He really loved all of you, and you were all so special to him. His core friends knew how amazing Kenneth was, with just a random text to see how you were doing that day, or his constant efforts to get everyone together. His love for his friends was a true love, and everyone knew how much they were loved by Kenneth because he never hesitated to tell them. Kenneth took the best care of me, like I was his princess. And one thing for sure, he was my prince, and our fairy tale will live on forever in my heart. Kenneth would not only just send me flowers, he would call me at work and say, come downstairs. I would go outside and like something out of a movie, he would be standing by his car with a bouquet of flowers. When I would get home at night, he would ask me, so what did all the girls think of your flowers? <laughs> that would always make me giggle. Clothes shopping for myself is something I rarely did. Kenneth literally showered me with gifts. And having a husband that was so stylish was something I always thought was just cool. I owe any bit of style I have to that wonderful man. We missed each other when a single day went by. I have no clue how forever we'll feel, but the past 10 days have been excruciating. Love, laugh, and live life to its fullest. That's what he wants for us all. I love you, babe, and I will miss you forever. Let's take a moment, just be silent. I want you to pray for Sarah and for the family. Um, all of us, close your eyes, bow your head. I'll lead us in a moment, but just let's pray. Go out to Sarah. And the tears are here because they feel what it is she's feeling. At the same time, we're unable to be all that we'd love to be in some way or manner to comfort or to strengthen or to help her through these times. And the truth of the matter is, when you give us love for someone that's special, it's never to be taken wrong. And with that love comes pain. And so I pray that her pain might be See, now you got me crying. I'm not supposed to do this. Good grief. Oh, my goodness. This is a special thing. We want to do something. We're going to lighten this up a little bit, all right? Is that okay? And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to watch this video presentation. This is just kind of a little PowerPoint thing. We're going to look at that. We're going to think about it. And then some of you are going to want to share. So you're going to get a chance to come up and just kind of kind of come up and line up and can share a short story, something along that end. We're going to have about 10 minutes to do that, all right? So let's watch this 
uh, PowerPoint, this little presentation with a little music from, uh, from Kenneth. Enjoy. an amazing ability to find one trait in every person he touched and it was their best trait and he could somehow bring that out of them and feed off of it and it helped whoever he touched and it, it really helped build him and I think everybody here is a part of his family I mean and I think we should all be grateful, and I know myself, I'll never forget, you know, the way that he has impacted my life, and it's very inspiring. Thank you. Ben got us these rad hats. start I met Kenneth 20 years ago he's the first person that I met when I moved to Corona um, my friend since and uh, yeah I have some things to say I guess um, uh, bear with me sorry guys uh, less than a year ago I stood before most of you to deliver the best man speech at Kenneth and Sarah's wedding I shared stories that were funny embarrassing and endearing I've relentlessly searched my broken heart, brain, and internet for answers, to the and the truth is, I haven't found any. Today, we celebrate Kenneth's life, and I plan to do so today and every day because I know the best way to honor my best friend would to be keep on trucking. Uh, during my week-long search for answers, I did come to a realization. I asked myself. What were some of the things that made Kenneth so amazing? Obviously, there's a million things to be listed. But for me, I asked myself what makes Kenneth special to me. I'd like to tell you all about the last time I saw Kenneth. My birthday passed, and Giselle and I were busy all weekend with art stuff, and I didn't have much time to celebrate. On Kenneth's day off, he made it a point to drive out to me and take me out to lunch. That was nice, but that's not what made him special. After eating fish tacos, we went back to my apartment and I figured he'd leave. Not my best friend. We sat in front of the computer and watched about four hours of skate videos. <laughs> and why? He knew how pumped I was. Um, on a new skate video, and he made it a point to watch it with me. The special thing that I love so much about Kenneth is his ability to be interested and inspired by every little detail of my life. He was so damn proud of me. And I'm standing before his loved ones today to say that I'm so damn proud of him. I'm proud to know him. I'm proud that he was in my life. Thank you.
my name's uh, Martin Brown. I work with Kenneth at Chili's. I've been working with him for seven years, and uh, ever since I could, my first day over there, I, I just always, we've always, it's like we got hired together, you know. And uh, I just want to share a couple of stories that I was thinking about all week. Um, he always relieves me on Fridays. Every Friday at 3.30, Kenneth's always there, setting up his, his little station, doing his thing. And uh, I was closing out one of my tables, and we just got to remodel, and there's like a little gap behind where the fridge is. So I'm telling him about like something that happened earlier, and I have this credit card, and I'm flipping it like this, like clearing it, and catching it like this, whatever. And I'm telling him, I'm telling him. I missed it. I bounced off my finger, off the micro, off the tip jar, back in that little hole. <laughs> and then we both looked at each other, and he was like, I was going to tell you to stop doing that. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> and then, uh, so I went to go get the manager, Kent, and I was like, Kent, I uh, accidentally lost somebody's card. <laughs> and then yeah, I told him what happened, and then, like, we all three were like, how are we going to get it? We gym rigged this, like, long pole, got some like date stickers and like folded them, sticking it back there. <laughs> and then we, we like Kenneth had his phone, like put in the light, I was like, don't drop your phone back there, man. <laughs> and uh, we ended up getting the card and it was okay. And then uh, there was another time uh, he was leaving me again and I was uh, changing out the sanitizer buckets. And he was like in the zone in the, the well, he was like making his drinks and stuff. I was coming behind, I was like, right behind you, man. And then he didn't hear me or something, and he turned around and bumped into me, and then all the sanitizer water went on his shoe. And he has those, like, little skinny converses. So, like, he was all wet, and he looked, he was like, I was like, my bad, man, I sat behind you. <laughs> and he was like, so I went back, and I refilled the bucket, and I was coming back around, and I looked over, and he, like, has his shoe off, and then I just start wringing out, <laughs> wringing out his sock, and I looked, I was like, my bad, man. He was like, he looked up, he's like, it's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought about that the whole week. The week was, like, it's kind of hard, you know. And on uh, Thursday, I was leaving my house, and uh, it was super windy that day, super windy. And, like, as soon as I walked outside, it was, like, blowing everywhere. And I was, like, first thing I thought was, like, oh, I hope, like, Kenneth's thing that we have there didn't, didn't blow down, you know. So I drive to work, and I pull up, and, I, sure enough, it blew down. And I was, like, oh. So I go, and I, like put it back up and fix it, and there was like this glass vase. It fell, but it didn't break. So I put it all back up, and I tr try to make sure it was cool, you know? And uh, so I went back, it's Jose, and he was there. He was like outside looking. I was like, yo, can you fill this up with water? He was like, yeah, for sure. And then I go inside, and I'm doing my thing, and then I went to go check on it again, and it was blown over again. And that st same glass bl blew over, but it didn't break. And I was like, what's, what's so crazy that this didn't break, but like, I would think it would break, you know? So I put it all back together, and then I go back inside, and then I was thinking, I was like, maybe I was like, Kenneth, like, telling me, like, you know, like, this, it's all good, man, just don't worry, you know, you don't have to think about it, it's all good, like, just let it go. And uh, that was like the best day I had all week after that happened. I had a whole bunch of regulars come through, they was like, stayed all day, they didn't even know, I didn't tell them, they were there all day. But that was a good day. Hi, everybody. My name is Gino. I got the opportunity to work with Kenneth as well. Um, <laughs> we bumped heads a lot. He's a really strong-willed person, as I am. 
Um, also, it didn't help that I was a Yankee and a Giants fan. He's an Andrews and St. Louis fan. Uh, Saints fan, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, one thing I do remember about Kenneth is that he was an outstanding human being. He, above all, always kept everything real. Like, you know, he spoke the way he felt and the way he carried himself was, was always legit. Like, and that's the thing I respected about him the most is that he was a real person. He was a human being. He didn't care if he had problems with you. He didn't hold grudges. Um, he always found a way to make you happy when you were sad. Um, I remember one time when I was at work, I was really angry about something, and he told me, what are you angry about? And I was like, man, just life just sucks right now. He goes, you're alive, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, so why does it suck? And then, you know, from that point on, I started having a different outlook on life, and I started to improve myself based on those words, you know. Um, me and Kenneth always joked around, uh, you know, we had our little crew at, at Chili's and everything that we had fun and stuff. It was cool working there. And I think that's why everybody stayed working there for so long is because just everybody in the group was so amazing, you know. Um, I, I really miss Kenneth. You know, I haven't been working over there for a while, but the last time that I went there and I seen him, a Yankee game happened to be on. And, um. He was talking crap to me, but afterwards, you know, he told me, how you doing, man? I, I told him, you know, I'm doing a lot better. And I told him, I, I appreciate your words, man. He gave me a hug and, and told me, you know, I told you everything's going to be all right. You know, and uh, I'm really sad because, you know, like, I really would have liked to see him one more time. You know, like, we wasn't really cool, cool like that, but. It's rare in life that you meet people that are unique like that. And he was a special person, and I'm really sad, and I feel bad for his family. But I know that Kenneth's in a good place because he was a good person. And, uh, you know, he wouldn't want us to be sad. He would want us to keep living and do everything that we could to improve ourselves and to live through him and learn, you know. So uh, I just wanted him to know. Um, the reason why I came today is to honor him, and I will continue to honor him, and um, just to let him know that he was loved. Thank you. My name's Dom. Um, I was blessed to have Kenneth a part of my life, and uh, he was just such a great guy. You know, I you know, I knew him for 10 years, and he made me feel like not just a friend, but a brother. You know, it was a brother I always never had, and, you know, like everyone's saying, I love hearing it. It's, you know, people will call you, how's, how's your day? You know, text me, you know, how's, how's your kids? How's Megan? You know, I know she's, you know, I don't even know how he knew all this stuff. He just knew everything about your life, you know, and never gave you advice. He just kept it positive, you know, and that's one thing. I've taken from Kenneth is no matter how bad he ever had something going, he always had time for his friends, for his family. I, I love that about him. And we bumped heads a lot, too. I'm one of his few Dodger fans, uh, friends. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm going to miss that this year. We used to text and call nonstop during baseball season. Oh, we're one up on you. You guys suck. 
you know, at least I'm not a Dodger fan, and, you know, it's so funny how the little things you think, God, I wish he'd stop calling me and telling me I suck, man, I, you know, I know we suck, you know, I just, <laughs> and I'm, that's the one little thing I'm going to miss, the thing you think you hate, and then, and I, I'm just, I'm going to miss him, and, and I love you, Tara, you know, I love everybody. John, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say, just um, Sarah and Kenneth were married last year, but Kenneth's been a brother to me for a long time before that. I have a lot of amazing memories, fun stories, and all that, but the thing that I'm going to remember most about him is when, you know, I haven't always been there for my kids, my wife, my mother, my sister. He was always there to pick up the slack for me. And uh, I'll never forget him for that. And uh, just love him. That's all I got to say. I guess that's a work, yeah. Uh, the presence of love right now is just really great. It's a true reflection of Kenneth's heart and how he's touched a lot of people. Um, I thought I was going to be able to do this like by the seat of my pants, but I've been holding on to this little paper so tight. So I'm just going to read it. Maybe. <laughs> um, I have countless memories of when Kenneth and I could hang out for hours and not say a word to each other or spend a day that led into a new dawn talking about love, life, family, and faith. We talked of faith more than anything else. So if you're wondering... <laughs> That's what it always was. <laughs> I've been able to reflect on these conversations and find great peace among them. In Proverbs 18.24, it says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. This was Kenneth, a true brother to me. He never failed to protect me <sighs> from life's misguided evils. And for this, I'm forever grateful. Until we meet him again for all of our eternity, I will continue to pray for peace on everyone's hearts. Everything Kenneth taught me about forgiveness and anger will not be in vain. Every day he will be missed, but every day also brings us close to joy. Thanks. you who don't know me, I'm Kenneth's stepsister, Lacey. And um, I wasn't going to share this, but I know if Kenneth was here, he'd want me to get up and spill my guts, so I'm doing it. <laughs> um, my mom told me that when I was really little, I used to bug her for a big brother because I wanted a big brother to protect me. And although she tried her hardest to convince me that that's not how it works, I begged her anyway, and I persisted about it. And then one day, she met my stepdad, Ken, and it got me wish. And although we weren't too fond of each other in the beginning, let me tell you, we grew to love each other, and he really did protect me like a big brother should. We had a lot of fun together. We grew up in separate cities, so... 
know, I wish that we were closer than we were, but I'll never trade the time that I had with him for anything in the world. And something the last couple months has telling me, you know, you need to call your brother and just tell him how much you love him. And although I didn't get to do it then, I'm doing it now. And I'm just so grateful he has such a wonderful life, God, and he lit up my life whenever I was with him. And you too, Sarah. I got a sister. <laughs> so that's all I want to say, thanks. Hi there, I'm Kent. I'm uh, Kenneth's GM at Chili's. I want to share a quick couple stories. Um, Kenneth was awesome, an awesome employee, any, any manager can uh, hope for. He wouldn't bother doing anything if it wasn't perfect. You know, he, he hated things that got in the way of being perfect. Um, for example, from here to the bar door, there'd be like 10 employees standing there, chit-chatting, doing nothing. Friday night, hey Kent, I need you to get me a keg. Dude, really? Okay, got it. I could, I can never tell that guy no. Like, telling that guy no is like, you, you don't want to see him frown. So, dude, I got it. Anytime. All the other managers, we experienced it, and 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 now I realize it wasn't because he couldn't handle it or he didn't want to do it. It's because it was an obstacle of perfection. He he wanted to take care of the people at the bar. He wanted to make sure everyone was good. So. That was one story. I love soccer. Uh, Kenneth and I always talk sports, and he's like, "I'm like, dude, I'll get you. I'll give you my Manchester United jersey." So he wanted to taunt one of his family members. I don't think he's a Leeds fan or something. So I'm like, "Cool." So one day, it was like Wednesday morning. I brought the jersey. Kenneth was opening bar, and uh, it just so happened that that morning there was a game, Manchester United versus the Spanish team. So I'm like, "Hey, dude, why don't you wear it? Put it on." He's like, "Okay, okay." And when he got excited, it was like up here. It was like, yeah. You know, like, I always remember that. So he puts the jersey on, 11-10, you know, the, bar, the bar's open, game starts. He's like, he comes back out, hey, Kent, there's a guy at the bar top, he's from Spain. He's <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I'm like, dude, it's all right. It's all right. You'll be okay. Just, just get through it. Well, we ended up losing that game, so he's like, everything worked out. And the guy was happy at the bar top at the end of the day. So that was one. We'd have manly talks in the, in the, in the office. We talked about grooming. Um, I, I found a new, sh I found a new uh, razor blade. I'm like, hey, you should try this out. He's like, well, I don't really need it. I just, you know. And then he's like, actually, I got to go get my fade fixed. I'm like, what's your fade? And he's like, right here. Can you see that right there? It's, it's not right. I'm, I'm going to go in. And like, he role played how he's going to have his conversation with the barber. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to go in. Tom, I don't need a full haircut. I'm just get my fade fixed. Right there. I'm like, okay, dude. Whatever. I go to Supercuts, so I'm like, whatever, dude. <laughs> so that was one. And then the last, last story, we were, we were trading Maggiano stories because I know they just recently went. And uh, I, I mentioned, oh, yeah, I, I love Manhattans. And he's like, oh, you need to come in. You need to come in after your shift. So three or four Fridays ago, after working the Friday lunch, long day, I came back with my girlfriend, 8.30, roll, roll in. The bar is full. If you've ever been in there on a Friday, it's full. And it's not just full of people, it's full of family. You know? So everybody there I knew. 
and they're there to see Kenneth and Whitlock. Um, and uh, I couldn't even get to the bar top. It was full. And uh, he comes over. He just, he's there, and he's like, boom, I'm all, Manhattan. He's like, got it. And then uh, we sat down somewhere else because we couldn't even, couldn't even get in the bar. Sat down. Manhattan comes over. The best Manhattan I ever had. The best. So good, I ordered two. It was good. But um, like I said, it, it's all about perfection, and uh, he wouldn't do it if it wasn't worth doing, you know, so that's all I got. And one more thing, you know, for us, we didn't lose an employee. We lost a family member, so. A lot of different thoughts from a variety of different people getting a clearer and clearer picture of how Kenneth was involved in the lives of those that he touched. Powerful personality. Guy who pumped others up. So many of you here recognizing uh, that he had a special place in your life. I want to close up our time together with a few thoughts that I think he would appreciate. And those are thoughts in relationship to life and death. Kenneth's death is a tragedy. And we recognize that. It's, we live in a broken world where broken things take place that are tough to, to deal with. We also recognize that in the midst of this difficult situation, God is going to bring some good things out of it. He's wrought some good things already in a declaration of who Kenneth was and how he meant so much to other people. He's going to continue in the years to come. It's interesting that Jesus himself, before he was ready to give his own life up, he responded to those friends that he had that were near to him who didn't understand. And he said, are you asking each other what I meant when I said in a little while you'll see me no more? And then after a while, you will see me? I tell you the truth, you're going to weep and you're going to mourn while the world rejoices. You're going to grieve and your grief, though, will be turned to joy. It's like a woman giving birth to a child. Her pain is so strong and so difficult, but when the time has come, she forgets about all the pain because of the joy that takes place in this child that's been brought into the world. He said, right now you're grieving, but there's going to be a time when you'll see me again, and that time you're going to rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. And that day you're going to ask me, Anything, As long as you ask in my name, the Father will provide for you everything that you ask for. Ask and you shall receive, and your joy will be complete. He said, right now, and I'll tell you something. I said, I came from the Father. I entered this world, and now I'm leaving this world, and I'm going back. I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, our struggle is all of us are going to have to deal with death. And right now we're face to face with it because it's a death that we never expected to happen. Earlier I uh, dealt with a bout of cancer. And I was at my mother's funeral. I was directing the funeral. That's a difficult thing to do even as a pastor. And my phone rang just like it did here a minute ago. And again, I had it on. And I looked at it and I realized it was from my doctor back home. And after everything is over, I then called back and I talked with him. And the doc says, you know, 
abruptly, and I was thinking, why would the doctor call me? The nurse always calls me. The doctor doesn't call you. And he said, Lee, I need to talk to you about something, that test that we took before you left. I said, yeah. He said, well, unfortunately, uh, it came back positive, and you have cancer. I went, oh, okay. And uh, I finished the conversation with them, and my daughter and my wife said, well, who was I? I said, it was the doc. They said, what was it about? I said, we'll talk later. And we got back to the hotel, and I shared with them that uh, he had shared that I have prostate cancer. And they were devastated by the thought. We went through a series of things and treatment and all this stuff, and I'm doing very well today. I'm not going to die unless it's my time right away because of cancer. But my family was prepared then for the next six months to eight months and the next year, and they were thinking, you know, I may lose my dad. I may lose my husband. And they were able to begin to work through the questions and the issues. We weren't able to do that with Kenneth. He wasn't able to deal with the questions and have a time of gathering together. He wasn't able to respond with joy and excitement over all that he had. And that's a tragedy. It's a brokenness that happens in our world today. But in the midst of that trouble, Jesus says, I don't want you to carry that with you. I have overcome this world and I can provide you with peace because everybody here is going to die unless the Lord comes back. Everybody here is. The only question is, when will you die? And so my only question to you is, will you be ready? Are you ready today? Are you ready if you leave here today and you go out and drive down the street and somebody's going the wrong way and you get hit and you're killed, are you ready to deal with death? Because if you're not, you need to get ready. You do not know when you will have to deal with that issue. You do not know the day or the time. Jesus tells us, I have overcome the world. I can take care of your trouble, but you need to be ready to deal with death. Paul uses these words when he talks about his impending death. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I desire to depart and be with Christ. It's better, but it's more necessary right now that I remain in this body. And I thought, well, how can dying be gain? Because death is both an ending and a beginning. Kenneth is beginning to experience the beginning. Life as it was intended to be without brokenness. And we are dealing with the other side of life. Jesus told us flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul looked upon his own decaying body as I look upon mine. And the older I get and the less I'm able to do the things that I used to be able to do, the more I find myself going, Lord, I am going to be so excited when I'm able to gain this new immortal body that no longer has the deficiencies that this one has, and I will have an understanding that I do not have now. And all of that I recognize because I have a relationship with God now that will move me into the future and has literally erased my fear of death. And I ask you, are you frightened of death? Because if you are, you haven't dealt with that issue in your life. I was driving down the road when I was uh, been married one year. <laughs> My wife was in the back seat, and I was kind of a wise guy at that point in time. I'm not anymore. Okay. 
But at that time, I was a bit of a wise guy. We were driving down the street, and the guy in front of me, it was nighttime, and the roads were a bit uh, squirrely. This was in Klamath Falls, and I didn't recognize and didn't know that actually the, the roads were covered with ice. It was black ice, and I began to pass the car in front of me. As I passed the car, my car went into a spin. And as we and I tried to pull it out and pull it out, and I got almost there and hit a tree on the side of the road. And as it hit the side of the car, I looked back, and my wife lifted her head up because she had been sleeping, and her head then impacted against the car, and she was instantly docked unconscious. And the ambulance came, and I was your age. <laughs> I was a young man. And we got to the hospital, and they said, your, your wife is, is unconscious, and she has, a, she's a, she has a broken skull, and we don't know what all is going to happen. We're going to have to operate, and then we'll get back to you. And I remember thinking, you idiot. You idiot. Look what you've done. And I remember my Christian father at that point in time, he was a great big guy, Dad Dorsey. He was about 300 pounds, and I'm a little guy, you know. And he, I walked in the hospital, I looked at him, and I said, what have I done? And he turned to me, and he grabbed a hold of me and just held me for about 10 minutes, cried with me. And he said, you haven't done anything, son. You didn't intend to do that. My wife turned out just fine, although some people would say maybe not as good as she was before if you meet her now. No, my wife turned out wonderfully. Uh, But it was an interesting thing that took place there. After we had dealt with that struggle and that issue and she came to and she was able to uh, begin to interact with me, we spent our first Christmas, that was our first Christmas, in the hospital. And she turned to me and she said, this is the best Christmas I've ever had. And I said, how can this be the best Christmas you ever have? I've given you this stupid stuffed animal that I got over the store. It's the only thing I could find. You know, we're in the hospital. This is awful. And she said, let me tell you why. She said, for the first time in my life, I no longer fear death. I said, what? She said, it was such a wonderful thing. It was such a wonderful thing that when I thought I had died, there was a point in time in which I literally, literally interacted with God. And I know now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that when I die, I'm going to be with him forever. I am no longer and never, ever again will be frightened of death. Horrible, tragic accident. Wonderful result. Kenneth today is sitting with the Father, and I know what he's saying as he talks to Jesus. He's saying, Lord, how can I convince Sarah that I'm not only okay, but I'm wonderful, I'm great? And how can I help her to understand that she doesn't need to fear death, but she needs to look forward to that day when we're going to be united and we're going to laugh and rejoice together over all that God has for us? Because he's experiencing what you and I can't, not until that special day. That day in which we finally experience the bridge where we walk with Jesus into eternity and we begin to live life without fear and question and with an incredible sense of expectation. Because death brings us face to face with our separation with God. And once we ourselves have died, 
we find ourselves removed from that separation. But right now, you know what you're feeling? You're feeling separated from God. And the reason you're feeling separated is because Kenneth died, and he's not here with you. And you're recognizing there's something wrong here. And God wants you to understand that you're right, there is something wrong, but he's made it right. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but I have overcome the world. The Bible says it this way. For we know that when this earthly tent that we live in is taken down, when we die and leave these bodies, we will have a home in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long for the day when we'll put on our heavenly ones like new clothing. For we will not be spirits without bodies, but we will put on new heavenly bodies, and our dying bodies now make us groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and have no bodies at all. We want to slip into new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by everlasting life. We know, we will. Boy, what I, what my prayers for everybody here is that you might have that knowledge and that understanding. You can find yourself after a horrible accident saying, this is the best Christmas I ever had. This is the most wonderful thing that ever took place in my life because now I no longer fear death. Jesus said it like this, don't be troubled. You trust God, now trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. If this weren't so, I would tell you, when everything's ready, I will come personally and get you so that you will be with me always where I am. And you know where I am going. Don't be troubled. Trust. Jesus is the solution to death. And we can be assured of the fact that he is going to prepare a place for us, a new home, that we're going to be introduced into heaven. And unlike our parents, God wants us to live with him forever. Now, I say that because I'm a parent with a son who's living with me, and I've been praying every day, Lord, take him to another home. It's time. And he's saying, Dad, I think I should stay here forever. God help me. Death is a shadow for those who know God as Father. And it will pass over us as we move into eternity. Death is the end of our journey here. It's the beginning of the next one. As Simon and Garfunkel in my generation so poignantly said, it's a bridge over troubled waters. And they weren't referring specifically to that, but that's the intention. So the Bible says this, I fought the fight, I run the race, and now I'm going home. Home. To receive the reward that God gives to all those who love him and live according to his purpose. No eye has seen, no mind has even been able to conceive the wonder of all that God has prepared for us who respond to the gift of his son's life. I have no question in my mind that in his last days, Jesus was speaking with Kenneth in that last few moments, even as death came upon him and gathered him in his arms and said, Kenneth, it's time to go home. And I have no thoughts either that Kenneth said, hold it, Lord, I need to stay here. I have a wife. And God said, it's time. I'm so sorry, but it's time. You know, Perhaps the fondest memories that Kenneth has is that of being with his family and his friends and being involved in an angels game or maybe a saints game. It seems interesting. We've got angels and saints going on here, right? 
very, very appropriate in terms of those that he responded to. So perhaps his request to the Father will be, you know, Lord, um, something special could happen with me. Would you do this now uh, in my time of celebration where the people recognize who I was and what I've done? Do you think you could have the heavenly angels join in with me as they sing a final special song? And so we're going to watch this clip, and then we're going to sing a special song together. And I can pretty much guarantee you uh, the angels are going to sing it with us. And it won't be these angels, but it will be the heavenly angels. So let's watch this clip, and then we're going to sing this together as we close. Me out to touched our lives. And as we sing this song, Lord, let it be a celebrative declaration. Let it be a statement. We recognize who you are and what you've done. And Lord, we'd ask, uh, let the angels sing along with us as we rejoice this one last time with him. Me out to the ball game. Take me out to the... Here it is on the back. Tie me some peanuts and crack. Jacks. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home gels. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Thank you, Lord, for this chance we've had. And now let us continue as we gather together and try to encourage one another and enjoy a meal. That's oftentimes uh, how you told us we could truly encourage each other. Let's enjoy it together, spend some time, and share stories about how Kenneth uh, continues to interact in our life today. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to let the family go across first.